Before we get started the message, let's take a moment to pray. Oh Lord, we uh, are here not just to sing songs and to hear a message, but to be with you. And so we ask that by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit, you will descend upon us, speak to our minds and hearts, show us our sin, but also show us your mercy, and show us hope. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, do you remember this face? Two and a half years ago, Gracie Gold competed in the Winter Olympics in Sochi. She started her short program with a jump that wasn't her best. And, you know, that could have rattled her. A shaky jump could shake her confidence. But Gracie knew what to do. She had to keep herself encouraged. So as she skated along, she spoke to her. She talked to herself. She said, I've come too far to not land this stupid double axle. I'm going to land it with a smile. And she did. But it was not a fairy tale ending. Gracie Gold did not win gold. In the individual competition, she got fourth place. No medal. But as she walked off the ice after her long program, her coach really had to say some words of encouragement and admiration for how she had pulled through. She said, good job, honey. I like the way you kept it going. You know, it doesn't matter if you are a skater or a student or a parent or a pastor. Discouragement is deadly. Isn't that right? Discouragement is is deadly. To be your best, job number one is to stay encouraged. How many of you have uh, been in the job market in the last several years? Probably a number of you. Uh, and it's hard, isn't it? I tell people all the time that the hardest work is looking for work, and the hardest part about looking for work is keeping yourself encouraged in a system that seems to thrive on discouragement. When I was a, a college student, uh, it seemed that I would frequently go through times of discouragement and despondency. And what I would normally do then is I would pull out my favorite album. It was a Christian album by Andre Crouch and the Disciples. And I would crank it up loud and I would lay down on the floor on my back and just soak it up. And those songs we're so full of hope and encouragement. And, and I'm not saying that it, that it you know, cured me, but every time God used it to lift my spirit. Well, as I said before, today is the, is the preview Sunday for our upcoming series. Officially starts next week, 50 Days of Unleashing Hope. And uh, so next week, we'll look at the first of seven factors that God uses to increase our hope. It's based on this book, uh, Ray Johnston's The Hope Quotient. And if you don't have a copy yet, uh, hope you'll pick one up on your way out of, out of the worship center and the, and the foyer. Uh, we're asking for a donation, 10 bucks if you've got it. If not, just take one. We're not keeping track. And uh, maybe you also want to pick up one for a friend that you feel would read the book and be, would find it valuable. And you could even give the book and give an invitation to come to our church if you want to. Uh, at the end of chapter four in the book, you'll, you'll get instructions on how to complete this online hope assessment. And, uh, and then this week, 
I'm encouraging you, everybody, to read chapter 5. I mean, it's really short and very engaging. Read chapter 5, and that'll get you ready for next Sunday. We also have uh, these free daily devotionals that actually start today, 50 days of uh, devotionals. Every day has a scripture and then a, a short excerpt from the book and then a sentence or two of prayer and just something to jumpstart your day and to get you thinking about how God is building hope in your life. And maybe for a lot of you, this is going to be a, the next step for you in becoming a deep, daring, daily disciple. So like I said, these are free. Just pick them up. We, we gave away a lot of the, a ton of these last Sunday, and I'm sure we will today. You know, I think a lot of people, though, are afraid to hope too much. Don't you think? I mean, we're, we're afraid to hope too much. and We're going to get, our dreams are going to get dashed and we're going to be disappointed. But here's what I believe. All great endeavors begin with hope. Do you think that's true? All great endeavors begin with hope. When Thomas Jefferson sat down to draft the Declaration of Independence, you know, he knew there, there were going to be risks, consequences to all this, but he didn't sit there and just say, well, see, I really don't think this is going to work. He had hope. He had high hopes that this new nation was going to do more to uh, protect our God-given unalienable rights than King George ever could. All great endeavors begin with hope. Forty-six years ago, the people of Faith Methodist and the people of Westwood Heights Evangelical United Brethren merged their two congregations into one to make Faith Westwood. Maybe a few people back then thought, well, this will never work. But I think for most people, this was a step of hope. They were looking forward to the future. All great endeavors begin with hope. Now, of course, I think we also have to admit that a lot of times a failure starts with hope, too. A century and a half ago, uh, Thomas Edison dreamed of becoming a successful inventor. Uh, he, in, he invented a device that I'd never heard of. I was reading about it recently that automatically tallied up the votes cast in a room. So he took it to Washington just thinking, wow, they're going to eat this up. It's going to be a big gold mine for me. Uh, but Congress didn't want anything to do with it. They were afraid it would get in the way of their, of their negotiating and their vote trading. So Edison had this idea. He created this invention with hope, but it, in the end, it turned out to be a failure. Edison also invented something I'd never heard of before called the electric pen. Did you know that? The electric pen, uh, but instead of writing with ink, it would put it, punch a series of tiny holes in the paper as you wrote. And then you could roll ink over that page and create below it a copy, multiple copies, uh, multiple times. But there was a problem. You see, this electric pen was heavy, it was loud, it was clumsy, it was hard to maintain. It was not a big seller. Later, a guy named A.B. Dick uh, purchased the patent and created the mimeograph machine, which ended up being used in just about every school and church in the nation. But for Thomas Edison, the electric pen was a big fat failure. But you know, Thomas Edison, he kept on going. 
He, he, he didn't stop. Thomas Edison became a household name for inventing what was called then the tinfoil phonograph. Uh, now, and the first time he tried it, he, he recited into it the poem, Mary Had a Little Lamb. And he played it back, and it worked. He could hear his voice over this tinfoil phonograph. I mean, it was almost magical. Reporters and scientists just were blown away by this Edison's new invention. And he had, he had big hopes. He hoped to create uh, phonographic music boxes, clocks that spoke the time, audio books for the blind. But those tinfoil discs, they were delicate, they were fragile, they were easily damaged, and so for over a decade, the phonograph floundered. There was no purpose for it, there was no target group for it. It was a failure. But Edison, where many of us would have given up, he did not. Uh, interestingly, that while he and his team, they were inventing the, the light bulb, uh, Edison, they tried 3,000 bulb designs. 3,000. And they tried 6,000 materials for filaments. And you're thinking, you know, that's a lot of trying and not getting it right. But here's what Edison said. He said, I have not failed 10,000 times. I have successfully found 10,000 ways that will not work. What a guy. It is, it is the power of hope. Please open your Bible with me to Psalm 130. If you're using the Pew Bible, it's on page 618. And um, some of you are new here today, and I just want to encourage you, if you don't own a Bible, just take the Pew Bible home, okay? Let it be our gift to you. We'd love for you to have it to take home and read. You can bring it with you to worship when you come, but always take it back home with you. It's yours. Um, now, uh, one thing about hope is that hope always involves waiting. Kind of like I talked about with the kids with Christmas. You're, you're, you're waiting. And, um, you know, once you get your present, you're not hoping for it anymore, right? You already have it. Hope always involves waiting. And in Psalm 130, our songwriters recognizing that uh, the songwriter's in deep trouble and starts out saying this, out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. I'm in deep trouble, I, so I'm calling on you, God. I have sinned, and now I'm paying the price for all the things that I've done, so I cry out for mercy. Oh, Lord, save me, forgive me, and, and save me from all my distress. And now, Lord, I wait upon you. Let's all go to verse 5. Will you skip down to verse 5 with me? And I'm going to ask you to read this verse out loud with me, okay? I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. Hope involves waiting, but it's trustful waiting. It's expectant waiting because God is true. God is trustworthy, and so we wait with hope hope. Have you ever had a, a sleepless night where it just seemed like, oh, morning's never going to get here? 
Or maybe you've worked an overnight shift and you just thought, oh, I'm getting so tired, I can't wait to go home. But you can't do anything to hurry up that sun to rise. It's, it's going to come, but you have to wait. Let's look at verse 6. It says, I wait for the Lord. More than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. The watchmen know the sun's going to come up, so, so you're confident, but for now, you must wait. Hope hangs on in the waiting. But we're not always filled with hope, are we? Sometimes we get discouraged. Any of you uh, take the hope assessment yet from the book? A number of you have. Very good. If you get a book, make sure you do that. Take the hope assessment. It tells you about it at the end of chapter 4. I took it. And I think that I evaluated myself, you know, honestly, as accurately as I could. And then I got the results, and the hope assessment said that I was average. <laughs> average? Ah. I'm the pastor. I have to preach on hope for the next eight weeks. I mean, how can I do that if I'm just average? I looked at my hope assessment scores on each of the seven factors that lead to hope. And again, I was average right down the middle on every one. So obviously, there are a lot of people out there who have more hope than I do. So I've got a lot to learn. I'm looking forward to it. Are you? So over the next seven weeks, we're going to learn about a, a different factor each week that God uses to increase hope. And in the book, The Hope Quotient, it says that discouragement is contagious. Do you believe that's true? Discouragement is contagious. But I will tell you this, hope is also contagious. Hope inspires hope. When Martin Luther King Jr. gave his message on Capitol Hill in Washington, he shared his dream. He dreamed of the day on the red hills of Georgia when the sons of slave owners and the sons of slaves would one day sit down together at the table of brotherhood. He dreamed of the day when in Mississippi it would be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. He dreamed of the day when in Alabama, little black boys and girls would be able to join hands with little white boys and girls as sisters and brothers. His dream was not yet a reality. It was a hope. It was a hope burning brightly in the darkness of despair. It was a hope that the darkness could not put out. And his hope has inspired our nation's hope. In my, in my email inbox, I, uh, I have, keep a file called encouragement. You know, this would be a great idea. You should do this sometime. Keep, you know, you have, you have all those subfolders under your inbox. Keep a file called, uh, folder called encouragement. And so uh, whenever I receive, you know, a sincere, thoughtful, encouraging email... I read it over, and I might reply, and then I drop it over into that encouragement file to hang on to it. And then, you know, sometimes if I'm just really having a, a tough day, maybe I'm really discouraged about something, or maybe discouraged about myself, I go back, and I read a few of those. And I'm thinking, okay, Lord, 
what I'm going through today is not the end of the world. You're still God. You're still with me. Thank you. You see, I'm not going to be any good as a pastor if I am sinking in the miry mud of discouragement. I have to keep myself encouraged. And, I, and what I see God doing here at Faith Westwood is also encouraging to me. It gives me hope when I hear about all the excitement our children have uh, about coming to here on Sunday mornings and they love in their new large group room and they sing and, they, they, and Miss Leah teaches them and then they go, last Sunday they went back to their small group rooms and they just were loving that. I heard such good reports. It gives me hope when I hear about how many of you are so eager to, to serve and volunteer with our, with our pantry. It gives me hope when I see how God has opened a, a huge door for us over at Central Middle School to love our neighbors. I'm thinking, wow, God, that is so cool. It gives me hope when any one of you tell me, hey, Steve, uh, I invited my neighbor or I invited my coworker. And I just, I mean, you, let me tell you, that just pumps me up. It gives me hope when I hear about how God is moving in the hearts of our middle school students and our high school students. I got an email like that this week. It was awesome. I believe God has a future for Faith Westwood that we are just, be we're just beginning to scratch the surface of. We're just beginning to dream it with God. And I look forward to the day when we're going to have twice as many people here on, on a Sunday morning. And it's not because we're the newest church or the hippest church or the church with the best location. But because people are beginning to realize that Faith Westwood is the best place in Millard for families to find hope. That's the vision that God has laid upon my heart. And I don't know exactly, I don't know what it's going to look like even. I'm still trying to, to discern all of that. But I see us becoming the best place in Millard for families to find hope, and not just during this series, but all the time. You know, people everywhere are starving for hope. The administration over at Central Middle School became aware last year of how, how many of their students feel hopeless. And so their theme this year is on hope. Their, their theme is um, your, hoop, your superpower is hope, right? Isn't that right? Yeah, I was looking at one of the students there. Um, you know, Faith Westwood, beginning of the school year, we gave away 125 copies of the Hope Quotient, one to every teacher and staff member over at Central. Did you know that? What is hope? What is hope? I have, I have a couple definitions for you today. Here's the first one. Hope is the confidence that God is working for good. Let's all say that together, shall we? Hope is the confidence that God is working for good. Now, you'll never hear me say that everything happens for a reason. I don't say that. Because not everything that happens is good. Not everything that happens is from God. But through it all, and oftentimes in spite of what happens, God keeps working for good. You know, my, it's kind of out of my favorite Bible verse, which is Romans 8, 28. And if you don't know Romans 8, 28, you've got to learn this one by heart. I mean, it is one of the most powerful scriptures. It, it, here it is. 
And we know that in all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, those who have been called according to his purpose. God, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Now, your suffering and sorrow and sickness don't come from God, I believe. But when you belong to Jesus, you find that God can make good things come out even in spite of and through your suffering, sorrow, and sickness. See, God's still at work. That's our hope. Personal example. Um, Anxiety has been a lifelong issue for me. It's just, you know, I mean, it runs in my family. It's just part of the way I'm wired, and it's not because I don't trust God as much as other people. I mean, I think I do. I I, it just, just is, and, and it's also, well, this anxiety is why I've had to give up caffeine, you know? But my experience has been that anxiety has actually helped me trust God even more. Over the years, I've learned that spending time alone with God, reflecting on Scripture, being in prayer, is one of the most positive things that I can do. And it, it invariably, over time, reduces my anxiety levels. Now, I don't, I don't do that just for that reason, but I've, I've found that it happens over and over. Uh, another thing, during a time, there was a time in my life uh, where anxiety really kind of went over the top. And, um, you know, it, it began to really cause a lot of problems in my life and interfere, and so I went to a counselor and uh, stayed with that for a good while. And not only did it help me in my anxiety, but it, I found other blessings from that, other benefits, that, and making me a, a healthier person, a more whole person. So I look back on it now, and I'm going... You know, I'm not ashamed of my anxiety because I can see that God is using it for good. I don't think God caused it. I don't think God says, well, I'm going to make you. I don't think that's it. But God used it for good. Okay. Hope is the confidence that God is working for good. And here's the second definition. Hope is the expectation of good to come. Let's say that one together. Hope is the expectation of good to come. Yeah, in the Bible, the Thessalonian Christians were, were troubled by a couple of questions. One, when's Jesus going to come back? And the other is, and what happens to our fellow believers when they die? Because they were kind of surprised. They thought, you know, maybe Jesus would come back before we all had to die, before we died. But then people started dying, and it kind of raised this whole crisis for them. And Paul reassures them, hey, one day Jesus is going to come back. He's going to return, and whenever it happens, don't worry, you'll be ready as long as you're walking with him. And when he comes, Jesus will bring with him all of his followers who have died. It's all taken care of. It's all good. Paul says that when a brother or sister dies, we grieve, but we grieve with hope we grieve knowing that death is not 
the end. You see, hope is the expectation of good to come. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that your circumstances are going to change. I don't know if they will or not. They might. They might not. Trish and I have a, have a good friend who suffers from fibromyalgia. Um, and I began to, to read about all the symptoms that can happen with fibromyalgia. It causes fatigue. It can put you into a mental fog. It can keep you from sleeping well. And for some, it's associated with IBS, anxiety, depression. And in her case, she suffered from debilitating headaches. She had to quit work. She says she has good days and bad days, but I suspect even the good days aren't all that good. But she walks with Jesus, and she looks forward to life. And Trish and I just love being with her whenever we can, which isn't that all that often, but we love being around her because she's such an encouraging person. In spite of fibromyalgia, she has the expectation of good to come. I like a story that, that Ray Johnston shares in the first chapter of the Hope Quotient. He tells about noticing a kind of professional-looking uh, woman who arrived at the parking lot in their church just as he was getting ready to leave, and, and he could tell that she seemed to be a little lost. So... He stopped and asked if he could help her find anything. And she said, yeah, she was looking for a certain seminar room, a conference room. And, and so he said, well, uh, what meeting are you wanting to attend? And she kind of hesitated, was a little embarrassed. And, and then she said, well, looking for the divorce care class. And so he walked her to the class and and just about the time they reached the door, she turned to him and said, it's, it's just so hard. And she had tears streaming down her, her cheeks. And he touched her on the shoulder and just said, God has better days ahead. Is that a word of hope? God has better days ahead. It may not feel like it today, but hang on to that hope. You see, God still works for good. That's our hope. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we, you know we get discouraged a lot of times and disappointed in we fall into despair and despondency, and Lord, we know you don't hold it against us, but we ask that you will speak to us and help us to build in hope into our lives and to build encouragement uh, as, our, as our way of life, that we can encourage others, but also let that encouragement come to us. Lord, we thank you that even when we face hard times, even when bad things happen, it doesn't stop you. You are still continuing to build good in our lives, to use even bad things for a good purpose. Lord, we, we turn to you. Lord, as we go into these next uh, seven weeks, we ask that you will increase our hope. 
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.